0: Motherfucker! What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. Run that,
1: baby. I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was,
0: I certainly wouldn't tell you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Decade Project on One Heat Minute Productions' Patreon. If you're listening to this right now in 2023, we are covering the films of 2013. And if you're listening in 2023, this means that you have been a patron. So thank you so much. If you're now listening to this as a, a film on the main feed, just know that next year or the year that you're possibly listening to this, we are covering on the Patreon for the exclusive of about 11 months of the year, we cover The Decade Project looking back To films of 2014 for 24 one of the people who started this project with me a million years ago it feels like now on a canonical classic ridley scott's the counselor um uh it is my dear friend he's a fantastic writer a phenomenal interviewer a terrific film critic um and a self-proclaimed darling but you know he's a darling here as well it's the great isaac felberg hey man how are you
0: Oh, I'm doing great Blake. Thank you for having me back. It uh, feels honored hon- I'm honored to be one of your bookends.
1: <laughs> it's you, you literally are and what it's perfect because it's like The two films that we're covering are two films by filmmakers made 10 years ago. And both of those filmmakers have films that are now like either out or depending on where you are in the world, they're like out together as strange as they seem two biopics. The first film we covered Ridley Scott, obviously Napoleon is coming out in Oz. That's coming out in like a week, which is amazing. It's starting to get a wider release all around the world. And the film that we are covering today is by a filmmaker by the name of Sophia Coppola. She is an amazing filmmaker. She has a current film Priscilla, which I'm dying to see. I'm seeing that in December in Oz. Again, the weird release international schedule of that. I'm so excited to see it. But today we are covering what, what I think is like an incredibly meditative and hypnotic. And, and at the time I remember thinking, man, could teenagers be this awful and 10 years later, (laughs) the message of this film is an unequivocal yes so we are going to talk about the Girls, bling time for your adderall you know
0: my homie
1: mark hey hi i'm the this is Sam. Hi. oh my god You're that's me. And I
0: just think we wanted to be a part of, like, the lifestyle. The lifestyle that everybody kind of wants. Hey,
1: I can be the answer. I'm ready to dance when the vampire...
0: Paris Hilton's hosting a party in Vegas tonight.
1: Where does she live? Do you think we could find a way in? I, I don't know. Come on, let's go to Paris's. I want to
0: rob. I was in the 212 on the Uptown. Oh, oh you so cute. Cool. Oh, you? my God! Oh, that's a cute dress. Did you get a new dress? Mm-hmm. We had so many beautiful things. Oh, bet you look right. I you do Ladies? He looks hot. I hear helicopters. We're in LA. Don't be such a little bitch. You're stressing me out.
1: Oh my God, are they gone? Police are investigating the connection of the Hollywood Hills burglaries.
0: America has this sick fascination with a Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. It all comes back to like bad choices. Who you have is your friend.
1: You can't take your dog.
0: I'm a firm believer in karma and I think this situation is a huge learning lesson for me to grow and expand as a spiritual human being. I want to lead a country one day for all I know. Did you speak to any of the victims?
1: I've spoken to all the victims.
0: Really? What did Lindsay say?
1: All right, Isaac, you chose this one. We chose the counselor. I think we found each other staring like longingly at each other across Twitter going counselor is it's something that we need <laughs> to both talk about. But the bling ring was the last one because I wanted to get you back on the show for the decade project again. The bling ring was one that you brought up and I hadn't seen it in an age and I watched it fresh for us to talk about. So tell me about why the bling ring particularly has resonated with you over the last decade.
0: It's, you know, it, it's so funny, especially with that preface of us having talked about The Counselor, because you're right that they, there are so many parallels between those films. Oh, my God. And I think one of the ones that you, um, you th- another one to note is that there are two of maybe the lesser loved films by their by their directors. I, I think that when The Bling Ring came out, a lot of people dismissed it because it was a bit of a stylistic departure. Yes. Um And you know there there was none of this uh, sort of beautifully, um, sort of soft uh, pastel hued, fragrant uh, sort of reverie that I think is so associated with um, with Coppola's films, uh, with the Virgin Suicides, with Lost in Translation.
1: Somewhere, Um, somewhere set around the same time um, is right before. Is a is is a holistic different experience so yes, impressionistic and beautiful and like pondering the meaning of life and it's oh man Stephen dorf's like maybe career best just oh fantastic film but this film it commits to the bit of is fucking ugly and it's gaudy yeah. it's and, yeah. and it's digital and it's it's I, I, digital. It's, it's, it, digital. Yeah. it's so yeah it it has I was just watching it and I was like, oh, I get why people didn't like this, but I don't think they were, they weren't on its frequency. And I think it's one of those things that like has a huge front running. Like it has a, a front, it's like a, a front runner now, especially because in the age of TikTok, this thing is insane. Like you're watching it and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I, I
0: Right. We've caught our, up with
1: it. We've caught yeah. up with it. Our culture is there. Like now every teenager are these teenagers.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it it is one of those films where you look back on it and you see now what she was doing so much more clearly because what was previously this sort of um, salacious case of, of teenagers who were trying to approximate celebrity, um, it now just seems that they were ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. You mentioned TikTok, and I think that social media has transformed um, and it's accelerated in a really rapid and scary way yes Um, but also an an inevitable way you just have to be on social media Um, but this film is set in 2008 and this was sort of a a nexus point for so many different things that were happening not only um, with our relationship to celebrity but also our relationship to self and how we were projecting self into all of these different um, social media platforms that were just starting to emerge, um, like Facebook at that point in time, um, which is, of course, how the bling ring in, in, some, in some instances was able to track down information about their targets. Uh, but you know, now that you look at that where we're at with social media, you also see, in such a more kind of normalized way, Um, these parasitic parasocial relationships that people that generation especially younger generations have with celebrity Um, and you know 2008 was also a fascinating point to look at our relationship to materialism and consumerism because there was at once this reality tv boom exploding with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie the simple life and with the Kardashians sort of Coming out of Paris Hilton as well and exploding into that cultural craze. Thank you, Paris. Uh, th- th-
1: thank, thank you, Paris, for that. <laughs> yes, thank you, Paris. We have <laughs>
0: we have Paris for so many things. It's like it's House <laughs> of Wax and it is this massive, you know, celebrity um, confluence that we have in media at that point in time. I think that she's incredibly influential and continues to be in ways that aren't often recognized that much. Um, she left the key under the mat as it were Um, yes she sure did she sure did and but at the same time there was this economic crash going on and there was so much scarcity in the United States that was happening as well and so you you had this economic crisis that was happening at the same time that we were worshiping that wealth and that opulence of of Hollywood and you know what better vantage point than Calabasas to be just looking in at this suddenly like um almost unreachable but so close you can you can touch it or you can literally break in that level of celebrity um affluence and so it's just such a great time period to look back on and to realize how the set how the stage was set for affluenza and for this kind of complete ability for a generation to be, you know, picturing themselves and projecting themselves into these lifestyles and not seeing anything wrong with that because it's all that the media around them was telling them to do.
1: And it's also you you, you touched on so many great points there, but like one of them is, it's one of the first times with Paris, like the the confluence of the fact that she was an heiress number one, she come from a significant amount of money and that her fame had been predicated at least originally on a sex tape being leaked. Like let's not beat around the bush. Like that's how she exploded onto every strata of pop culture, high and low art. And then she's being worshiped. And then even in the movie, and I don't know. I I was really looking to see if Paris had done a a more in-depth interview on like what she thought of her portrayal of her house was in the bling ring. And it's nowhere to be found on the internet At least I wasn't able to find it in my looking over the last day or so, but it's like, this is a person who worships them, who worships the uh, apparatus of her, her being worshiped. Like she has pillows with her face on it. They walk into her house, every magazine cover she's ever been on surrounds the well of the stairs in her home. She's it's just everywhere. It's, this incredible thing and the other thing is also you know there's such a high security culture and in america a paparazzi culture that's in la and so it it kind of shows that like a bunch of dirtbag teenagers whose proximity to these people became so intoxicating that they couldn't help themselves but sort of peer in and like break literally break into their lives that it's like oh what massive impact did they then have on the community of like, Oh, we've got to, we've got to continue to keep ourselves separate. We've got to have these gated communities. We've got to have security. We've got to have 24 seven cameras all over those places. And it's just so funny. And the, the general apathy, you know, when you meet, if you ever had any time interacting with like teams, they're obviously very self-involved, you know, it's hard to look, you remember your times in your life yourself, where you're the biggest thing in the universe and there's nothing else. And you just have me look at these kids just do this. And even just the mechanisms of like selfies and the mechanisms of like one day I can go to a club and hook up and I might be famous. And that gap between being worshiped and being nothing is where this movie lives. And it's so, yeah, like I, I, I found it like, it's almost agonizing and you know how talented she is as a formal stylist and how talented she is as a writer, but she's just making you relish in the ugly of all of this. And she's right there. She's like, this is gr- mm-hmm. like, everything about our culture right now is gross, and she's unashamed to say it. And I think all the actors in this do their best to just be like, completely absent of emotions. Like Emma Watson is outstanding. Um, there's a, there's a great cast, but like at the time, a lot of people, it kind of had like a few mixed reviews. Like it was all kind of mixed positive. Um but, but I think there was less, you know, some people thought it was a straight out satire. um, And I don't quite think it's a satire. Like it doesn't feel like a satire to me. So I, and, and, uh, but you know, Richard Brody is one, he, he had a great quote, which is like daring to face these noxious, seemingly empty phenomena on an aesthetic terms and taking it on a degree of flatness and simplicity Coppola renders them surprisingly substantial. And I'm like, he gets it. He gets what he gets That's the style. That's he gets so like to, uh, like a kicker at the time. You're like, oh, he gets it. This is a film that the form and the function are harmonized so per- so perfectly and I, I just i think it is not fun like it's not one that you're going to go back and revisit it's not like mary antoinette where it's like a party movie where you could have the whole movie playing on a screen and have music playing and you're hanging out with your friends eating dinner or whatever it's not like that um or like something you want to create space for like virgin suicides it's 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 a mess
0: yeah absolutely and it's. It's interesting to think about it in connection to Marie Antoinette as well. Uh, not only just with like the the montage sequences in it yeah. that are quite similar, like I want candy and sort of yeah. the yeah. rifle right through the houses, but that um, I, I just think that you know one of her great subjects as a filmmaker um, is the isolation of privilege and just yes. the way that it completely traps you in a, in this strange bubble. Um, and I think Brody, I mean. Governing theme for any film podcast. Richard Brady is always right. He gets it um, in a way that I I think that so many people, including myself, just aspire to to look at films in the way that he does. And uh, but that idea of the flatness is, is just so, as you're saying, true to the subject of opulence that's built over this oblivion. And it's something that's at once like just the way that I think maybe is looking at uh, that lifestyle of the rich and famous of you know, people who became famous for doing very little or in the the instance of, you know, um Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian, um because of course, you know, Kardashian came after. but, um that that question of like you know how much should we be worshipping these people for their sex tapes and to what degree are we exploiting them as we're elevating them it's it's a very like kind of dicey relationship to fame that was happening at the same time that media was dramatically expanding the arenas in which you could be famous with the internet yes yes um,
1: and, and and so there, by just, the time ta- but yeah, par- it's the the, the the gap the the gap between Paris and Kim Kardashian Mm -hmm. is like with Paris. It was a, it was like a scientific experiment where no variables were measured. It was like, we have no assumptions. We have no hypothesis. We're going to mix these elements together and we don't actually know how they're going to react. And with Paris, it took an immense amount of time, you know, like, This sex tape happens. She explodes. She comes on. She does reality TV shows. She stars in films. She becomes a bit of a mogul as far as like the money that she uses. She actually uses it to a great advantage and becomes, you know, an extremely wealthy person, real estate, et cetera, other um, uh, um, entrepreneurial things that she invests in. And then she becomes, and then she essentially like slowly retreats from the spotlight and becomes this sort of like former royal, if you like, that's just sort of goes off to the side. And then she pops up now and then, but she is like, she took being completely out of control, all these elements and now just like lives her life, has a stack of money, occasionally pops up on a magazine feature for a marriage or something like that. Extremely controlled within an inch of its life. And the gap between her and Kim Kardashian is like, they weaponized the gap of put the sex tape out, make it show industry, but, but, and then like that's the thing that freaks me out about this movie is like you see the how the culture at the time and these kids surrounding it but it's like the gap between knowing how to navigate it and having no clue about its power was also very yeah. short was really short Absolutely. and, there, and so, there's
0: that oh sorry
1: no no please yeah. go oh,
0: I, I was just gonna say as well that there's such a, a thing that you can kind of pull on there with Paris and Kim about their reactions to those sex tapes when they leaked and just what ended up happening in the aftermath of that. Uh, Essentially, I mean, the fact that Paris never really saw a dime for that sex tape coming out. She was was not happy about it. She was really, you know, traumatized by it, she said at, at different points in time. But that the release of that was something where I think, you know, you're negotiating that that gulf between the self is commodity and, you know, how much you're willing to exploit yourself. Whereas Kim Kardashian leaned into it ultimately. And I believe, you know, agreed to the release of the tape after a $5 million settlement. And that was, and kind of turned it to her advantage in this way that really um, it, it teed up what happened next with that family becoming a reality TV empire and, or a dynasty, if you like uh, to use that Royal term. But they, I think, really embody that idea of how you can take your image um, and turn it into a symbol and still sort of Exercise control over it, but only at the expense of your entire life, becoming that. And and, and wait, can we just pause
1: on that amazing sentence? Only at the expense of your entire life. (laughs) Like I just like (laughs) it's just like, yeah, you you can control it if you are willing to sacrifice everything for the purpose of that fame. Like that is the only currency, the currency of the fame, and then how it equates directly to monetary advantage like what like if you if you're willing to just you are co-opted you're a brand identity you are the fucking bugs bunny of your own Warner Brothers universe like it's insane it's insane it
0: is and there's glass houses that are everywhere in the bling ring i think that you know there's so much around the the transparency of that and just the idea that you can turn your life into a hall of mirrors and, you know, especially like, you know, using the ones in everyone's pockets. It's just yes. like this um, this endless uh, amount of refracting surfaces that you can project your image out through into the entire world. And, and I think that has only... Sped up, if anything, since this movie came out. But just while we're on the subject of that, it's a really interesting thing to think about in relationship to the Bling Ring because of the characters in this movie, like the character Alexis, who's played by uh, Emma Watson, who was filming a reality TV show at the time that she was. committing these robberies she was doing a pilot for a season <laughs> of a tv show called i think pretty wild that ended up becoming basically a document because she got arrested right after the the pilot was shot and so the season is kind of her doing the reality tv stuff of like living this lifestyle with her family and there's a lot in there about her relationship with her mother and that the vision boards that they introduce that we'll talk about i'm sure in a oh little bit God um but it's also this really disturbing sort of season of television leading up to her trial date um around which she was also um sort of uh put into a rehab clinic for black tar heroin addiction and so there's like this incredible like sort of at once um advantage and exploitation that's going on with people who are even tangentially or parasitically attached to, to, to that celebrity complex that's going on and it, it just feels like such a beast to try to ride out it makes me really admire the Kardashians in a perverse way that they've been so successful in doing it as this this family holding the reins because we see and have seen in so many different instances how that is something that can completely buck you off or destroy your entire life even though you feel like you're in control right up until that instance.
1: There is an amazing critical theorist um uh, y- y- you just got to go find her stuff it's called Kardash- Ka- kardashian colloquium and uh, where she talks about mm-hmm. the way like it's it's she's on instagram she does these amazing and i think she's on tiktok too does these amazing 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 videos and um she just talks about like like the way that the kardashian family co-opt different uh tenets of pop culture And, and sort of absorb them in a way so that they can continue to reinforce their position at that height. And so like some of the more like, I guess you would say like almost like mercenary laser focused, but also deeply sometimes like maybe accidentally intellectual, but like intellectual things of like, we, I need to wear the Marilyn Monroe dress and I need to do this and I need to have this position and I need to go and do this show at this time and it's just, it's, she's, she's an absolutely fantastic critical theorist that applies her, her gaze to the Kardashians almost exclusively. So she's like, a, a she's someone I deeply, I I've never really watched an episode of the Kardashians, but man, I will follow her Instagram so much. Cause I'm like, this is fascinating. I need to know about the pinnacle of pop culture, really pop culture as much as movie heads, like you and I are like, well, movies aren't the pinnacle of pop culture anymore. Um, for, for the widest possible audience, it's like these social media moguls that become so influential. Um, But like this, this cast, I have to shout them out. Like Katie Chang is amazing. She plays Rebecca. She's absolutely unbelievable. She's probably one of the, you know, uh, if you grew up, there was always the, the girl who seemed wise beyond her years. And you, especially as a young man, like you're like completely scared of the entire world. And there's always that one girl who's like incredibly confident and has like a brio that you, you you can't quantify and she just has that in this group and israel Brassard's mark is like that's him great cast teresa farmiga georgia rock claire julian all really great leslie mann is so one leslie mann is the satire she's the queen right she's the she's the satire of the movie of like the mother with the vision boards talking about angelina jolie like she is out Ending in this movie um but but that whole cast of teens are just so funny because they're just so like they do not equate even though they are themselves kind of low middle class they do not equate any capacity at all that anyone works for anything so there's no meaning to ownership or value or acquisition of things it's just like going into someone's house and taking a five thousand dollar bag and leaving is just as natural as going to buy a burger from McDonald's and handing over two dollars like they, they, they there's no there's no disconnect between those things and I think that that's pretty incredible um, the way that they, they're kind of harnessed there
0: yeah I, I completely agree I, I think that that's perfectly put what you just said the um, the idea of this generation that has no real sense of self because they have no sense of reality. Yeah. beneath the objects. The object is reality. And it, yes. it's just this it, it's this incredible um kind of portrait of that generation that also is, is so borne out by the way that um that the the cinematographer, the late great um Harris Avidas, uh shot this film where it's just this and, and it it I it that was also a bit of a change for him like shooting in digital uh, for this movie. But I think it's perfect. It's that veneer over an emptiness. And I think it, it completely captures what you're talking about, which is that in lieu of any sort of deeper meaning that they can attach to this wealth, the wealth itself is the meaning and the, the image is the identity. It's that external sort of idea of you are what you wear that I think was also really huge in fashion at that point in time with everyone wearing all these different brands and TMZ harping on everyone's fashion choices, (laughs) different brands starting to partner with celebrities about, it's not that you're wearing, you know, this specific designer, it's that you're wearing Paris Hilton, or you smell like Paris Hilton. And it's like that everything about that external projection, I think feeds into this movie. um, And it negates the formation of any kind of identity outside of those objects that you could accrue.
1: And um, it's so- and it's only the smallest amount of time. Firstly, I just want to touch on Harris Savides. May he rest in peace. One of the greatest cinematographers of all time. Uh, who who knows if this is true, but the trivia is uh, on this is that the dialogue-free, very slow zoom shot of the robbery in the mm-hmm. glass house, yeah, based on the yeah, pacing yeah, of the movie, yeah, even though it it's does. a ninety-minute film, was considered to be cut. And Harris Savides lobbied Sofia to say no. It has to stay um, and now it's ultimately like the iconic celebrated shot of the film. Um, so yeah, like that that was um uh, that's a bit of trivia on that. But I also love this it's it's like that thing you know I had a friend recently telling me he's like, um, he's like, have you ever thought about changing your phone to grayscale? And I was like, oh w- what do you mean? And he's like, oh, you can change the colors on your phone. you can turn it into black and white. And it's like the black and white doesn't give you the same dopamine as color. And he's like, sometimes I feel like when I'm into my phone too much, I go into the settings and I turn it to black and white because then I can actually leave it. You know, I can stop myself from touching it. And I think about that so much in the context of watching this movie, because like they go and steal this stuff. They're doing these perilous theft jobs as clumsy and as weird and like awful as they do and getting away with it. They do these little jobs and then like there's this great shot which has the emptiness and soullessness of like waiting in a hospital of them selling the bags on like sunset like or selling them down at the beach and you're like the dopamine hit that they got is gone now the currency of the th- tens of thousands thousands of dollars of designer shit means nothing to them. They don't want it. They're going to sell it for 50 bucks over there, get a of 50 bucks, spend that 50 bucks out tonight going out. And then the next day they're going to need the dopamine hit. And it feels like the apparatus of social media is almost like being essayed in that scene of like, we go and do this crazy thing. We get our dopamine hit. We do it. We go out, we hold it once, just like a celebrity sometimes does. And this is like, that weird cycle of celebrities. Like they get like a $20,000 dress. They wear it to one event and it's done. You're never wearing it again. You know, Um, right. and, you know, I think some of us do that. Sometimes you wear like a really fancy shirt or a fancy suit for a very special occasion. Like I'm thinking of it in my only context I have for this is like my wedding suit and I've never worn it again. Like it's like I wore it. It was a great suit. I could probably wear it again. Just have it because it was that one special thing. And there's 25 photos of it in my house and I'm not gonna wear I don't need to wear it ever again. But it's like it's it's that thing where there's no there's no nothing lasts in this movie about it. Nothing lasts. It's just like yeah. okay, cool, we're gonna go and sell it for nothing on the street. It doesn't matter.
0: I, I hope that the wedding suit has slightly more lasting value to use. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it has a huge amount of value. I'm not selling that on a beach. It's 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 all it's no. always hanging up. But I mean like that's the only thing that I can equate it to because like I'm not like a celebrity who's getting gifted like $20,000 jackets just because I'm going to an event, you know, like that's a, again, as she said, Sophia Coppola having that understanding and essaying privilege. It's like, yeah, you, things change when you've got that level of privilege for the actual celebrity. But in the movie, what's even funnier is these kids have none of that privilege, but they start to then be so callous and discard things because it's like they've got this, like, as you said, this parasitic privilege now, because they've been sort of taking it away. And it's like, my oh God, like.
0: Absolutely. It, it's And that's the psychology <laughs> that they're trying to channel, is the psychology of someone who's rich and famous and therefore doesn't have a care in the world in their view. Because yeah. all they ever see is these images of these celebrities wearing all of these expensive clothes once and then discarding them. And it's a huge part of why they want to kind of do these robberies in the first place. They're like she's not using any of this stuff and it doesn't mean that they're going to use it, but at least they can like, you know, have their chance to try it on and like that's sort of the um the the sort of the force that's driving them. It is an addiction and it is a compulsion just to sort of see themselves in that way. Um, and I think so much of the movie is about that sort of superficiality as being a goal in of itself. Yes. If they thought about it too much, it would defeat the purpose. Yes. Um, which, which is just, I think, such an interesting way to look at not only the sort of delusions of grandeur of someone who's existing in relationship to the celebrity complex, but also the mind of teenagers, which is another great subject. Yes. Of this film that we're talking about, and just the the sort of way that at that age you are trying things on and taking them off and figuring out what is going to become a part of your identity and what is just a phase or what is something that you you don't actually see yourself in but the, and i think you see a lot of that with the character of mark where he's he's you know he's trying on the heels and he's like you know just trying to kind of get a sense of all of these different ways that he could see himself um And I think that he's the way into this group in a lot of uh, senses, because he's the person who just uh, wants to make friends. He's just moved to this town. And I think that there's a lot there about the precarity of that, of not really knowing who you are, but needing to project who you are at all times.
1: And not knowing who you are and then being with a bunch of people like where your impulse is to ingratiate yourself, where your impulse is to conform is to get into the group and being in the bat and being in a group where there are elements that are doing stuff that are not anywhere on the same plane as your morality normally. And you just sort of ca- like, but acting so casually. And that thing of like, I the last thing I want to see is like a wet blanket or uncool. Cause I'm going to lose the very few friends that I have in this environment as I do. So I'm just going to keep doing these things, even though they're insane. Like he is, begrudgingly doing a lot of this, or at least the character is portrayed in that way. He's begrudgingly doing a lot of this um, and, and uh, does have that sort of pattern awareness about it. But yeah, it's like, that's why it's precarious with teenagers. You're like, yeah, that that's not a good person to hang around, but they don't, they can't, they can't, you have no context. You have no frame of reference. You're just living every day as a day. You're making the choices on the day, the best ones. Often they're bad and it takes a lot more, like, that's why teenagers to me, and even Paris Hilton and this thing, it was like this sort of perennial, like 16 year old girl persona that Paris had this like lack of awareness. And it never fascinated yeah. me in as much as it was always like, God, she's going to be fascinating when she's 30. <laughs> you know, Like she's going to, well, I would love to hear her talk now to hear what her life is like and her to reflect on this stuff. But like when you're in it. Teenagers are not interesting and you as a teenager yourself were not the most interesting version of yourself. Like I joke around and say like, I like I was like a high functioning ape until like 25. And then I was like, oh, I'm a person now. Like, this is good. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I can actually be who you want to be in your life because you kind of have had some experiences and you get it, but here they're like fast forwarding. They don't know who they are. Number one. They're in the precarious situation of being in, near all these unlocked homes, watching people who are worshipped around the world right next to them, and they get they're so close to it that they can touch it. And of course, a teenager's impulse is going to be to push. It's going to be to skip. And all you need is like one or two friends who, like, are, uh, like blissfully unaware or like aggressively, laissez-faire about consequences. And because that's that's the other big thing about a crime and teenagers movie. When you're coming from this position of privilege, the inference is you're always going to be able to get out of it. There's always some backup. Whereas, like you go to a low socioeconomic community and you fucking break into someone's house who's not rich, and you're going to jail. Like you're like that's that that's the other big the, the thing. And I think Sophia Coppola is completely aware of it. Is like the inference is these kids will always get away with this. They're going to get away with this shit. It does not right. feel like. There, there's any kind of peril but you watch a movie with you know john that john singleton made in fucking 91 and these kids like walk past a white person's house and they go to jail like like you know like whereas here no consequences there's no consequences for these bad behavior
0: no and, and you know i think ultimately they ended up serving like four years collectively um, yeah, collective like, they, break, yeah, and they break into, like, Emma 20 was,
1: houses, steal thousands of dollars, like, four years collectively.
0: Right. Because, and, and you know, the thing of it is, like, you know, and, and uh, Emma Watson's character, uh, just, the, the way that she describes it, that she's a firm believer in karma, and she just believes the situation was attracted <laughs> into her life as a huge learning lesson. And it's just, like, that <laughs> level of, um, of just complete... Um, uh, that, that level of complete self-centeredness and egotism as being the thing that both drove the behavior and is the, the ultimate takeaway as well. It's just like these these kids are like black holes. They're just pulling everything in because there's nothing at their center. And it just like it compacts all of the things that they experience in their life into fodder for whatever they're going to like, you know, say next. But there, there's no real thought driving it. And I, I find that character so interesting because she's so ambitious and wants absolutely nothing she has no idea <laughs> Like she has no idea what she wants to do other than what she is kind of doing in the moment and that, that character if I'm remembering correctly um is sort of brought in um I, I think she's named Nikki in the movie not Alexis but she's playing yeah it's playing a, it's, Alexis. Yeah, it's, um, it's
1: it's not it's not it's not Alexis in the movie in the movie it is oh sorry I'll get the name too because Yeah, it's Nikki. It's Nikki. You're right.
0: Yeah, it's it's Nikki. I just wanted to clarify that, but I because I feel like I am conflating the real person with the character. I want to
1: rob. I want to
0: rob. I want to rob. Which is like I don't know if she said that, but she definitely said the karma thing. Yeah, and you know that that's like one of the things where you know uh, Sophia is just not. You you were saying earlier you don't really see the film as a satire, and I agree. But she does let them just kind of like have enough of the rope to hang themselves at different points in time. And like a lot of the quotes, especially once the the police catch up with them are direct out of them. Um, The
1: the only reason I don't qualify it as a satire, Isaac, and this is just like a, it's probably semantics at this point, but it's just like when people are in and of themselves a satire, like, like the words coming out of their mouth are satiric, like seem satirical to rational human beings. I'm like, that's not a satire. That's just great. Like, that's just the the craziness of the world. Like that karma speech and all that sort of stuff. It's like, no, that's just the world. That's just how crazy this situation was and mm-hmm. is. Um, Yeah. Look, it has been super fun talking to you about this movie. Like it, it's a movie that unlike any of the other decade projects that we've done, it is a movie that like, You throw it on, and it is as biting and incisive and prescient as ever. Um, In fact, it seems like it front runs some of the bigger and more, I guess, sophisticated thoughts about the evolution of our culture based on social media. And she's so aware of it. And I think that it's only Sophia Coppola's advantage of a kid who grew up in privilege and then struck out to make to have her own individual identity, artistic footprint that she can have such a level of like heightened understanding of these things and then choose how to deploy it. So man, thank you for choosing it. Thank you for bringing it to us. And I love you and you're fantastic. And I'm so looking forward to anything else that you do. And you have to promise me before we go that there's some 2014 movies that are percolating in your mind so that you come back and do a couple of decade projects with us next year.
0: Oh, absolutely. If you're continuing this, I'll be right back here. Um, I, yeah, I, I should mention as well that, um, I have read some incredible scholarship around the bling ring and I need to especially, um, shout out Hannah strong. Who's written a book. Right. Um, right. Um, so if, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Hannah strong. I know Hannah strong. Uh, yeah. She's terrific. She's okay. terrific. I Hannah.
1: Yeah. I know. Her Hannah. Her I, I, her we goodness. haven't, we haven't interacted, but I'm a, uh, if Hannah happens to listen to this, I'm a fan of her work. I've heard her on pods. I'm, I'm am i I'm a fan.
0: Yeah, she's, she's brilliant, and her book is called Forever Young. Uh, it's out from Little White Lies Press, and it takes a lot of, um, of Sophia's films, uh, everything, I think, you know, pre-Priscilla, um, and binds it together into these different themes of celebrity and excess and adolescence. And she brings this personal perspective to it that's really um, quite extraordinary. And I, I would just really recommend that anyone who's interested in the bling ring or anything else that this filmmaker has made i I consider that to be one of the essential texts on her at this stage in her career
1: unbelievable thank you so much for your time and it's always great talking to you take care and um i can't wait to chat again soon thanks so much blake it's been a pleasure